Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. All right, good morning, church family. If you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm on the preaching team. Um, there's actually plenty, plenty of seats here, so if you don't mind just scooting to the middle just a little bit, that way if anyone's straggling in, they can sit on the outside, and it's not super awkward for them. Uh, really glad that you're here this morning. We are in a sermon series in Genesis, um, and I mean, it's the book of the beginning, so it's really helpful. And I love this bumper video because it asks, like, hey, where are you going? What are you doing? Where are you? These are really worldview questions. Like, why are you here? I, think it's, I love that question. Where am I going? And the, the hope is that as we get into the Word of God, and the Word of God would inform our minds and our hearts and our lives, it actually bring renewal in, in how we think and how we live and how we interact. There'd be more joy um, just by looking to the Word uh, of God. So the sermon title this morning is True Intimacy. And if I had to double click on true intimacy, what I'd say is uh, true intimacy with, with our Father. Um, and so I'm super excited to, to get in the Word with you. If you don't mind, bow your heads. I'm going to pray, and we'll look at the text. God, we're so grateful for your Word, that you speak to us, that we can know you through your Word, that we can see your goodness through Jesus. And I pray the Spirit of God would illuminate our hearts to, to your fatherly love, that, you're, that you care for us, that you protect us, that you are, you are indeed good. I pray that you would um, help us really combat lies, repent of lies that we believe that are, that are embedded into our hearts. And we look to, to you, God, and just, just be made new. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Genesis chapter 2. Um, if you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 2. We're going to go 4 through uh, verses 24. So this is quite a bit, actually 25, quite, quite a bit of text. Um, I'm going to just read it because, like I said, it's the book of the beginnings, and it's really a lot of information. So Genesis 2 is right after Genesis 1, and Genesis 1 is about the creation account. So it's kind of big picture, think panoramic uh, picture of how God created all things from nothing, and this is zooming in uh, to a close-up. It's like, man, here's what was going on as God created. And so we'll pick up in um, verse 4. Verse 4, it says this. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. So that is the creation account, and particularly of man, which is, it's really unbelievable. God created man from dust, and he fashioned him, then he breathed the breath of life into him, and that's how he, has, he had being. This is how we have life. This is how, how humanity came to be. Now, God created man from dust, and a lot of people are like, I don't know. That's like a big stress. I'm going to ask you a question. When you die, what do you go back to? You go, you go back to dust, right? So you, you're created from dust and you go back to dust. So it's actually not that hard to think that we were actually created uh, by dust and God breathed life into us. And as God 
creates us, there's a great deal that's different than the rest of the creation account. If you remember Genesis 1, God spoke and it, and it happened. He just spoke and it happened. This one he draws near. And he, he, he creates man from dust, breathes life into him. So he's very near. This, uh, the proximity is face to face. This, this is a language of relationship and nearness of intimacy, not just efficiency. Um, this, this is should bring worship. I think we just kind of, oh yeah, a lot of humans. I don't know how they got here. God created them and, and breathes life into them. Spontaneously, Joshua, and he's here. He can, he can tell I'm not lying. And we're even talking about this. He's like, man, can you believe that God created everyone from dust yesterday? I'm like, you know, I'm preaching about that. And I was like, no, I, can't, I actually, I can't believe that. That's, it's I'm incredible. It is incredible. I think about a lot of us like, ah, yeah, we're here. From, from dust, he breathed life into humanity. Now, just to show you how we should be very worshipful for this, like how, how creative and beautiful humanity is, I just, we just miss all the time. Uh, we're image bearers of God. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But So my son Deacon, who's nine, he created a talon. I think it's a pterodactyl on a page. And, and his hand was going across the page. And it, on his nails, it looks like it's, it's ripping into the page. And it was like so realistic. And, and, and before I was going to bed last night, Deacon showed me this picture. And I was like, you didn't, you didn't do this. Like this, you trace it? You trace this, Deacon? Where's it, how'd you do this? And he's like, no, 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 I did that. And I'm like, and he's like, I can erase it for you. And I was like, okay, well, that's pretty impressive. Go show mom. And the first thing my, my wife is like, you didn't do this. It's like, this is like, and he's like, no, I can go get my eraser. Like, no, I created this. Now, my point is, I was shocked by how my nine-year-old could create a picture. We are much more shocking than, than a picture. Like, God created us. We should be astounded. Like, no way. But we just go through life thinking, oh, yeah, we're just, we're just here. I mean, I, I think we miss the beauty of God as we, as we look at people. He created us. And his image and likes, we learned that. But he, and he breathed breath into our lungs, and we have life. I mean, he, he, humans are so amazing. God crafted us and breathed life. So the thing I want to look at before we move on is Matthew 7, because I'm going to try to have a theme here. Matthew 7, 11. It says, if you then who are evil, and he's talking to actually uh, earthly fathers, and not all other earthly uh, fathers are evil, but in comparison to who God is in heaven, it says, know how to give a good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? The idea here is like earthly fathers, they're just okay. And they still do good gifts. The heavenly father only does good, only does good. And so as we look, as God created humanity, bring life into him, then he starts to create, we found out the garden. What it's going to emphasize is God's goodness towards his creation over and over. God is so good in his creation. He wants us to see his character and nature as he created humanity. And then he fashions everything, what? So we can see his goodness. So we'll just look at that as we double click. So we'll look at verse, um, we'll pick up in verse, um, let's see here. Um, I think it's nine. Uh, it says this. I wrote it down here. I'm sorry. Well, we'll go right here. Uh, eight. And the Lord God, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of, out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree, every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Now, it's interesting. I don't want us to miss this. God created Adam, 
and he breathed life into him. Then he created every, every, every tree, and it said that, that, that it was pleasurable to look at. And then he said he created every good food. So there's a, there's a doctrine that, that we believe here at the Door Church, and I think it's absolutely biblical, that God created everything for our joy. So it's this idea of Christian, hedon, Christian hedonism, that God is for what your pleasure. He gives you good things to enjoy, that God is the creator of joy. So how do you de- describe the trees that he, that he made? It was what pleasant to the sight, that God crafted our eyes. He, crea- he created creation beautiful, beautiful and and rhythmic and, and observable. And it says it should, be, it should bring pleasure to, to your eyes as you behold it. And he, he said, I created food not only to sustain you, but it's good for you and it'll taste good. And there's an act of worship. So the idea is God is for what? Your joy. God is good in that. He, he wants you to have pleasure. Now, what sin does is that we try to find pleasure apart from God. It shouldn't just terminate on eating good food or seeing beautiful things. The idea is that we would eat something that tastes good and be like, God, I can't believe that you created us. I can't believe that you give me taste buds to enjoy this. I can't believe all the beautiful things that I see. And we would worship God, the God behind the creation who made it. So uh, I'll give you an example. My grandpa, uh, his name was Papa Bear. Every time he ate, and I felt like we ate a burgers a lot with him, but every time we ate, he'd always be like, this is the best burger I've ever had. Every, every time. Every, and it's usually a water burger. I was like, we just had this last week. Best burger. And he meant it. Because every time he ate it, 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 it he, he saw, I think, God behind the creation. And he was worshiping God as he ate. And he didn't just like, he didn't stuff down his throat. He like enjoyed it. He'd have conversation he enjoyed God's creation and worship behind it. I think so many times we miss God in, 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 the, in, the, in the beauty of creation. It's one thing to see the sunset, but like see, see the, 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 the God who crafted the sunset. I mean, we love looking at the beauty of the stars. I mean, if you look at birds, flowers, not only flowers look beautiful, you can smell them and you can worship God in that. Like this is, this is God. God created that. Um, I just walked in this morning and I was just walking past this north lawn. The grass looks more green just from a little bit of rain. I was like, God did that. And you see the trees and it's just like, it's, it was breathtaking. God is so for our pleasure in all of it. And I wanna, I wanna attribute that to who? God. God is good and he created you to what? Enjoy, uh, to, to enjoy good things. And I'm gonna go uh, verses nine through 15. The tree... The tree of the life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to the water, to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Bashan. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of the land is good. Bedlam and onyx and stone are there. The name of the second river uh, is Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris, which flows from Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So there's a few things here. One, and, and we talked about it a little bit last week. God created everything, and then he rested, and he rested from what? His work. So he created out of nothing everything, and then he rested. Then he tells us that he wants what? Us to work. So is work good, 
are, are, are part, part of the curse, like God, God doesn't like us. No, God in creation, he created man. He says, man, I want you to see beautiful things. I want you to taste really good things. And he gives us the ability to work, the dignity to work, to subcreate. Then he tells us raw materials there, like gold and onyx. He's like, Here's, I'm giving you this land to, to, to work and to cultivate and to bring really uh, order out, out of chaos that is, to subdue it. And this is what humanity, man, part of our, our big dignity, dignity that God gives us is that we're meant to image God in what? Our work, that we're supposed to be like God and create things that really, that, that blesses other people. So if you think about uh, work, when God did it, he created all things and he, he did it for, for humanity and showed his glory, his goodness, but he did it to bless us. And the same thing is true is when God gives us work, we're supposed to subcreate for his glory to bring what uh, order, to bring order out of chaos, what to bless others. There's so much dignity in work and it is, is a, get, a good gift from God to work. So I'm just gonna talk about a few professions that it's like, this is such a gift. And if I don't say your profession is not on purpose, but I can go through all of them. Like to be a farmer is a gift, right? You, you, I mean, it, to, to, to bring food to other people, to be an architect, to take the raw material and build something that, that, that wasn't is such a gift from God. Uh, to, being, to being an investment banker, if I had a lot of money, I think that would be one of the coolest jobs. To look at how, how God is man, maybe moving in the world to bless a particular community and say, I can help bring money to that, to bring flourishing to people, I think is exciting. So if you're an investment banker, if you are uh, a stay-at-home mom, bringing order uh, out, out of chaos is something you do daily and weekly. I mean, I, I mean, Lord knows, we do laundry after laundry after laundry. I mean, there's dishes after dishes after dishes, and it is hard work. And I want you to hear there's dignity in that, and it glorifies God and brings beauty uh, and blesses your household. Um, any work that we can do, I man, glorifies God that we bring, we bring order that there is chaos. Um, I wrote down teachers as one, coaches. I mean, it's so hard to teach, but I want you to know that you encouraging a kid, teaching them things, man, you don't know how that affects generations, how it affects that child in their life going forward. You may not see what you're doing, the seed that you're sowing, but God uses it. Work is a good gift from God. They were supposed to glorify God to, to bless others. What I'm trying to do this morning is I'm trying to work, to preach, to bring out the text, to say that, that your life matters and see the goodness of God and say, I want you to connect whatever you're doing to, to, to God and see, man, this is why we do what we do. The, the Lord, when you have joy in doing it. See, God created us to work, and it's a good gift to reflect his glory as he created to bless us. Verses 16 and 17, it says this, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So, again, God created humanity. He created pleasant things to see, uh, good things to eat. He says, I'm going to give you a purpose to work, to glorify me, uh, and, and subcreate, bring order, into, uh, order out of chaos, to bless others. And then he's going to give us wise counsel. I don't know why the knowledge, uh, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is there. It's like, well, you can eat of all the trees. You can't eat of this one. It's like, well, why is that there? I don't know. And neither do you. But I, what I do know, I do know, man, if you eat of that tree, it leads to death. And I think the main point in here is, man, God is a wise counselor. 
And he's good, he's for your good and wants good for your life. And when you trust, obey him, it leads to life. And when you disobey him, it leads to death. This is clear here. Now you eat of that, you're gonna die. You do this, you're going to live. We need to, to believe and know God's word and obey his word. This is, this is, this is the goodness of God. He's like, I want you to have wise counsel. I want you to walk in wisdom. This is loving. If you're a parent, you know that's true. Like when you speak wisdom over your kids, it's not like, man, I want death for them. No, you want life for them. And you're trying to give them good counsel to lead them to life. This is the same, the same thing our good loving father is doing here. He wants life for us. And obeying leads to life. Now, what, what this does means you don't know, you don't know what's good. Only God does. He's like, well, I'm gonna try it this way. Well, you can try it's not going to go well because God, God's word leads to life. Another thing this means is culture doesn't know. Every culture thinks they're the most enlightened culture ever. Like we're most progressive. Like that's, that's a goofy idea. Like we're not really progressing. Only the word of God leads to life. The word of God leads to life and flourishing when we obey it. And so whatever's not eternal is really eternally out of date. And we have to know the word of God. And we have to believe the heart of God that he gives wisdom. What for your life? Do you know God's word? Do you obey God's word? Do you believe his word? Verse 18, it says, The Lord God said it is not good that man should be alone. I will make, her, I will make a helper fit for him. So in this, not only, right, he created man, breathed life into him. He made everything pleasant to see. He said, here's good food to taste. You have dignity of working, being sub-creators, and having purpose in your life. Not only say, here's wise counsel. He's, he's just a good, good, loving father. Then he says, it's not good for you to be alone. He's for relationships. Now, what's interesting, God's there. He has work. He's enjoying all these things, but it's not good for man to be alone. Why? Because there's not a helper fit for him. So what does this mean? It means that we're made in the image and likeness of a, a God who is triune. There's one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they've always been in relationship with another, pouring out love and honor and glory to one another. And we cannot glorify God without a helper. Like God created, created a helper fit for Adam. Why? Because he couldn't, he couldn't image God giving love and affirmation, his life to another. And so he says, man, we got we, we, we to gotta make a woman for you. We got to find a helper fit for you. A helper idea here is it's the same as you, but one that compliments you. And so uh, what's interesting here, God is for your joy in relationships, he knows what you need. Verses 19 through 20, it's kind of like tryout to say, hey, there's not a helper fit for you on the face of the earth. It says in verse 19, now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to into the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But listen, it says, but Adam... But for Adam, there was not, not found a helper fit for him. There was no one that was the same as him, but different from him, that, that complimented him to pour his life in, into. And so what does it say in verse 21 through 22? So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed it up in its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought, brought her to the man. There's Several, several things here. There wasn't a helper fit for him, so God created a woman. He created Eve, and he created it out of man. 
So same as him, but different than him. And, and then it says he brought, brought her to, to Adam. And so God's like, man, look, look, look what I've made for you. Uh, and, and, and God officiated the first wedding here, I believe. Uh, and what's so interesting in verse 23 and 25, and the man said, this is at last. This is at last. Like, it, I mean, it seems like Adam's only been here for like a day. I mean, I don't know how long he's been here. But he's like, at last, this is what I've been waiting for. He's, he's so excited as he sees his bride. It's, he's like seeing like, my soul has been longing for this relationship. And so usually when I perform a mar- marriage, it says in scripture, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I usually say, amen. It's such a gift. A bride is such a gift. And God is fashioned woman and brings in the man. He sings to her. This is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken on the man. God, God had made this perfect, same but different being that he now presented to her. And then he, had, he performs uh, the first marriage. He brings her to him and he says, therefore, what a man shall leave his father and mother. At this point, does Adam and Eve have a father and mother? No. What's the point here? It's in, this is a priority in relationship. Who defines marriage? God does, because he created a man and a woman. And it says they should hold fast to one. This is a covenant language. Whole life commitment to, to one another. And it says the two become one flesh. That, that this idea is that they become, they become one, two become one, physically, emotionally. Where there's two, now there's one. And the man and the wife were both naked and what they were unashamed. What is this idea? They are now face-to-face in relationship, and they, they are fully known, and they fully love each other, and God created marriage that way. This is God's good gift. I don't want anyone to think otherwise. This is God's creation, and it's so good. And I just, I just you know, kind of, if it's the end of the, the, the sermon, so to speak, it's like, no, everyone lives happily ever after, Right? No, we know that's not true, right? And I don't have time to get into Genesis 3. We'll do that next week. But we know, we know, what I want you to know, this is how God created, and it's really, really good. Not kind of good, it's really good. But this is not what we experience. Why? Because we believe the lie in Satan, which we'll, we'll find out next week, that we don't believe God's good, that we believe God's holding out on us, that we can find life apart from God. And what we happens is we fall under the curse of sin, and sin, man, blinds our eyes to that God is a good, loving father, that he's only good, that he is, he is for our joy. Now we live under the curse of sin that we're separated from God, and we're now trying to find life in creation. We're trying to find life in empty cisterns, it says in the text, like things that will not bring life. It says in Ecclesiastes, it's all vanity. You cannot find life under the sun or apart from God. That's what we're all looking for. It says, I mean, that's the American really dream is like, man, the pursuit of happiness. We have this deep longing to find life. And what the text is going to say is like, you're not going to find life apart from God. He is, he is life. He's a creator of life. And we believe the lies of Satan. Satan is the father of lies and he creates counterfeits. We'll talk more about a little bit next week. One, one thing that he does, he, he makes us believe lies. Most of us think work is a curse. We hate work. We believe the lie that, that Satan is the architect of pleasure and joy. That's the one I believe. And I have to continually preach the gospel myself and the truth of God, because I believe, I believe that 
that, that God is a fun sucker and that means like he's not the one that's good. Satan is. He's the one that has pleasure. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God is a God of pleasure. God is a God of joy. And we believe disobedience leads to life. <laughs> all of us believe that because all of us have sinned against God. And this is a lie from the pit of hell. We believe, we believe we're confused about marriage. We, you know, it's a big argument today. I'm not trying to make it a political thing. God created marriage between a man and a woman. There's a lot of confusion about that. Why? Because we're looking at the world for what it says, how you feel. God leads to joy. He's the one who designed it. Furthermore, I mean, marriage is even confused. Like, can it be one? Can you have an open relationship? Do you, can you have many, many brides? Can you have many, you know, can you, I mean, even animals are bringing in the equation today. And I'm not trying to be like weird, but it's like, this is a conversation that's going on. Why? Because we believe the lies of Satan. See, God is only good. He's only good. And he's for our joy. See, what Jesus does, Jesus comes to break the curse of sin. So we believe these lies in our heart that God is not a good loving father. He's holding out that we got to find life apart from God. But Jesus comes and dies in our stead to break, not only to pay the debt of our sin, but to break the curse of sin. Because we're blinded to who God is. And, and as we see really the love of Jesus Christ, our eyes are open that he is a good, loving father. If you want to know if God's a good, loving father, you got to look to the cross of Christ. Because at the cross, you are fully known and you're fully loved. Like God, God's not surprised by your sin. He's just not. Your parents may be, you may be, but God's not. The cross says he's not surprised. He actually knows all of it, and it's even worse. What is surprising is that you're fully loved, that he stays. That's what's shocking, that you are so loved that he stayed to pay in full, not in part, for your debt, and that as you understand that, that God gave his own son for you, it opened your eyes that God is a good, loving father. He would give anything for you, and he gave his, his greatest gift, which is his son, to break the curse of sin. Like he is not, He's not holding out on you. As you look to the cross, you'll see the love of God in Jesus Christ. And as you see the love of Jesus Christ, you'll see that he's a good, loving father. It says this in Romans 8, 31 and 32. It says, what then, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him what graciously give us what all things? He says he's given us his son. Man, he is so for you that Jesus died for you. How would he not give you all things? He's, he's already said, I've given you everything. God is a good, loving father who's, who, who is meant to protect you and provide for you. How do you know it? Look to the cross. You know what's interesting? A lot of people's like, man, I just gotta, I gotta believe in Jesus so I don't go to hell. And I'm like, well, kind of. That's not it. No, you believe in Jesus and you get a restored relationship with God as your dad. It says in scripture in Romans that you cry out, Abba, Father. It changes not only your trajectory, but it changes, man, your perception of who God is. There's a new power and affection that comes as you believe in Jesus. That comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you look and, and, and see God as a good, loving God? That is evidence of life. That's evidence of life. It's not you say a prayer and you go on your way. Do you believe in the goodness of God? As you 
look to the cross, you'll see that God is a good, loving Father. And as you believe, man, you'll start to see, man, he's always been good. That he, you, You'll want to know him. You'll want to love him. You'll want to give your life for him. Why? Because he has given you his life. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. It says, now we receive not the spirit of this world, what, but the spirit who is from God, what? That we might understand the things freely given to us by God. As you look to Jesus and believe in him, the spirit of God gives you new life. And what it ha- helps you do is it helps you understand the mind of God. That he is for you, he's not against you. That you will want to trust, you'll want to surrender, you'll want to obey. Not because you have to, because you know who he is. As you look to the cross. I pray this morning that you'd see in the gift of his son, he's given you all things. As you look to the son, the spirit of God will illuminate that he is a good loving father who loves you and is for you. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us see that God, you've always been good, not not sometimes. That you created us for intimacy, to be known by you, to be loved by you. That everything we have in our life is from you. You're for joy, you're for pleasure, you're for our relationship, you're for our dignity and work. Help us combat the lies that live so deeply in our heart. By the Spirit of God, help us eradicate them, believe more in the love that's shown to us in Jesus Christ, that we would walk more in obedience and surrender to you as a good, loving Father. Help us just believe you at your word. I pray, God, that you would move in individuals right now by the Spirit of God and bringing light into dark places of unbelief. Bring, bring life, God. We ask that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.